0: Welcome to the GalaPod, with me, Gala Placidia. In this episode, I'm reading part two of my fic, Dad Says. If you're not here for dry fanfic, you're in the wrong place. I hope you enjoy, Dad Says. Chapter Three When Harry got back to Grimmauld Place, he was disturbed to find that there were enormous yet tasteful crystal vases of flowers in every room. The curtains had changed, too. They were now uniformly silk. Thick, rich silk in different colours. A golden yellow in the sitting room. Shot green silk in the library. Deep red in the dining room. Harry strolled through his house by candlelight, admiring it. The next day, he got a letter from Malfoy. It was delivered by Hogarth, rather than by Flew, as their letters had been so far. Harry felt a little apprehensive as he opened it, sure that it would berate him for what had happened in the kitchen, but it made no mention of that. Potter Thank you for coming last night, you made Scorpius's week. Again. Your house ought to have a wine cellar, if you ask it nicely. See if it'll give you a bottle of Chateau Perrault for Eve's party. She'd love it. Details for Friday overleaf. Don't feel you have to come if you don't want to. With gratitude, D. Malfoy. His house did indeed have a wine cellar, and Harry chose a bottle of Chateau Perrault, as Malfoy had suggested. He was distinctly nervous before Eve's wine and cheese party, even though he knew Malfoy's friends weren't posh but he'd gone to the movie night for Scorpius, hadn't he? This was just him hanging out with Malfoy and his friends, willingly. Yet it didn't even cross his mind not to go. Partly this was because he was genuinely intimidated by Eve, but mainly it was that he hadn't spoken to anyone since the movie night. He had floated around Diagon Alley in his cloak, feeling a bit useless, and moped around in his increasingly beautiful house, and flown a bit in the afternoon. Usually that was enough to tire him out, but on Friday he found he was really looking forward to talking to people. It helped, of course, that Malfoy's friends didn't think of him as the chosen one. Eve's flat was much bigger than Malfoy's, and it was packed with people. She let him in with a squeal and went into raptures over the wine he'd brought. It transpired that she collected bottles with unusual labels, and the Chateau Perrault with its intricate fairy-tale pattern most certainly qualified. Eve plopped him next to Nick and went to Butterfly around her party. Where's Flora? asked Harry. She's at home with the kids. Scorpius, too, said Nick. "'Right,' said Harry. "'We're really going to miss Scorpius. Not long until he goes now, is it?' "'No,' said Harry. August was hurtling to an end, and Scorpius would soon be boarding the Hogwarts Express. "'We're all so worried about him,' said Nick. "'He'll make friends,' said Harry, reassuring me. "'Not Scorpius,' said Nick. "'Draco.' He jutted his chin towards a corner of the room, where Malfoy was smiling politely at an animated young man in a jean jacket, The young man seemed utterly enchanted by Malvoy, who looked exquisitely handsome in a white shirt with the cuffs rolled up, his hair loose around his face. The bruise on his cheekbone somehow only added to his good looks. "'Oh,' said Harry. Nick was a big guy, but he had gentle eyes, which he turned now towards Harry. "'Listen, you knew him before,' he said. "'It sounds as if he's already told you everything there is to know,' said Harry, firmly. "'He wasn't going to make the same mistake twice.' If you want to know about the stuff he got up to, you'll have to ask him. No, I know. Just... These people who keep attacking him, do you know who they are? He always insists we can't tell the police, but after last spring... What happened last spring? asked Harry. They left him for dead, said Nick. He hid Scorpius in a cupboard or something. Not sure how they didn't find him, because the whole flat was trashed. If Scorpius hadn't been there to call the ambulance when they left... Across the room, the young man in the jean jacket touched Malfoy's dark mark with an inquiring look. Malfoy answered him, and the young man's face became sombre. "'That's fucked up,' said Harry. "'It's terrifying,' said Nick. "'I just thought you might know more about it.'" Harry did know more about it, but it hardly made a difference. There was a whole world of people who thought Malfoy had got off lightly, and any one of them might have broken into his flat to ensure he received the punishment he deserved. I don't know, said Harry. I wish I did. Well, it was just a thought. Nick sighed. Fuck, he would be so pissed off if he knew I was talking to you about this. He was really nervous about us meeting you. Really? Why? asked Harry. Nick shrugged. The guilt fucks him up, you know? He wants to make amends, but he doesn't want forgiveness. Or to look like he thinks he deserves forgiveness.
1: I think it's all bollocks, personally.
0: Harry thought of Lupin and Tonks lying motionless in the Great Hall and of how stilted he felt around Teddy. How often he bit his tongue, sure that Teddy resented him for their deaths. Yeah, guilt is weird, he said. Hey-ho, I'm gonna get a drink. You want one? asked Nick. I'm okay, said Harry. Malfoy had finished explaining about his dark mark. Harry wondered how detailed his muggle cover story was, and the young man in the jean jacket reached up to touch the bruise on his face. Malfoy went very still, and then the young man was on his feet, heading towards the kitchen. Harry made his way to Malfoy through the throng of people and leant against the table near him. "'Oh, thank God,' said Malfoy. "'That man was so earnest I thought I'd die.' "'Not your type?' asked Harry. Malfoy shuddered. "'He told me he could see from my eyes that I'd suffered,' he said, with a sneer. Harry did not remark that it was true. There was something wounded about Malfoy's eyes. "'Eva's really scraping the barrel.' "'He's good-looking, at least,' said Harry. "'Oh, God, he's coming back!' The young man returned with two glasses of wine. He handed one to Malfoy with a look of sickening pity. I think it was really brave of you to volunteer that information, he told Malfoy. Malfoy looked as if he was seriously considering hitting something. Phil's dishonest not to mention it, he said, through his teeth. Hi, I'm Harry, said Harry, holding out a hand. Jed, said the young man, shaking it quickly and turning his softened gaze back to Malfoy. You must be feeling vulnerable right now, he said. He spoke as if Malfoy was a small child. I assure you I'm quite all right, said Malfoy. So brave, murmured Jed. Harry didn't really have time to think. He just did what felt right. He took Malfoy's hand, laced their fingers together, and kissed his knuckles. You are brave, darling, he said. Malfoy, to his credit, mastered his expression almost immediately. Thank you, my love, he said, rather pointedly. Oh, are you too, said Jed. "'Yes,' said Harry, wrapping an arm around Malfoy's waist. "'It was a very good waist.' "'I'm sorry, I didn't know,' said Jed. "'That's all right,' said Harry. "'I, um, I think I see my friend,' said Jed, and hurried away. "'I knew you had a saving people thing, "'but I didn't think you'd fake being gay to come to my rescue,' "'said Malfoy, lightly, disentangling himself from Harry's grasp. "'Oh,' said Harry. "'Well, I wasn't really pretending.' "'What do you mean?' asked Malfoy, his voice suddenly sharp. I'm a bit gay, said Harry, I think. I mean, I'm definitely quite gay. You don't seem too sure, said Malfoy. I haven't had much opportunity to experiment. It's sort of hard with the press. Hmm, said Malfoy, looking him over thoughtfully. Virginal Harry Potter, you do make a good sacrifice. I'm not a virgin. I'd forgotten. Ginevra. But men are so different, you know, that if you haven't been with one... Do you remember Justin Finch-Fletchley? Malfoy raised his eyebrows. Is he queer? Yeah, said Harry. Anyway, my point is I'm not a virgin in any sense of the word. Point taken, said Malfoy, smirking into his wine glass. Then he put his face into his hand and laughed. What? I've just remembered that Finch-Fletchley tried to kiss me once, in second year, after you set that dirty big snake on him. I did not set a snake on him, said Harry. Oh yes, you did, said Malfoy, slyly. Eventually. Harry felt himself blush. What about you? Did you ever hook up with anyone at Hogwarts? Malfoy's eyes went dull. Yes. Who? Malfoy hesitated before answering. Then, Blaise Zambini. Blaze, I run into him now and again. He's very good looking, isn't he? Malfoy said nothing. Was it serious? Asked Harry. Not to him, said Malfoy tapping his fingers lightly on the table. Oh, said Harry, I'm sorry. Christ, this party is tedious. Listen, do you want to get laid? I can sort you out. Something in Harry's brain frizzled. I, what? There's a good gay club near here, muggles. No one to run off to Rita Skeeter if it turns out your dick is wonky, chosen one. Oh, uh, I'm not really dressed for clubbing. If that's your only concern, let's go. We are wizards, Potter. When they were outside, Malfoy cast a few spells on himself, making his jeans tighter and darker. He unbuttoned his shirt and shook out his hair. Harry watched him compulsively. Listen, do you want to get laid? I can sort you out. Fuck. He fancied Draco Malfoy. He really, really fancied Draco Malfoy. Malfoy cast a few spells on Harry too, then sighed. It's a crime to have money and dress like you do, he said. I'm not great at shopping, admitted Harry. No, I can see that, said Malfoy. Come on. And he apparated them both straight into the middle of a dance floor. Harry would have been concerned about the statute of secrecy, except that Malfoy had clearly accurately judged the level of drunkenness of the club patrons. No one blinked an eye at their sudden appearance. Want a drink? shouted Malfoy over the blaring music. Harry nodded, and they made their way through the slippery crowd to the bar. Harry had been to gay clubs before, but never ones where the clientele was this uniformly gorgeous. He felt extremely out of place. Malfoy, however, was in his element. He smiled winsomely at the bartender and got a row of shots. "'Loosen up!' he shouted at Harry, and they each took three. Malfoy leant forward, and for a crazed second Harry thought he was going to kiss him. But he was only leaning into Harry's ear. "'Happy hunting,' he said, and disappeared into the crowd. Harry went to the dance floor and bopped about aimlessly. He wasn't good at this. He knew he looked like an idiot when he danced. He couldn't deny that the thought of going home with someone, with Malfoy, his brain suggested unhelpfully, was appealing, but he had no idea how to go about it. After about fifteen minutes he caught sight of Malfoy. He was pressed against a wall, one long, slender leg wrapped around a man's hips, his eyes closed as the man sucked on his neck. Well, that was an image Harry would never unsee. The man was grinding into Malfoy, who looked delirious with pleasure, and Harry decided he needed to cool down. He went to the bathroom, which was empty and pleasantly quiet. Fuck, he told his reflection. He bent over the sink and splashed cold water on his face. This is stupid, he told himself. I'm just drunk. I don't actually fancy him. I mean, more than anyone else does. Probably everyone fancies him a bit. The door opened, and Malfoy himself came in, his pupils wide and his lips pink. Had a new lock, he asked. This isn't really my scene, said Harry. Malfoy rolled his eyes. You're hopeless. I'll help you. He gripped Harry's bicep and drew him towards the door. You're going to point at the hottest guy you see, and I'm going to get him for you, okay? You're the hottest guy I see, thought Harry. Why are you doing this? he asked instead. Malfoy's face twisted. Potter, I owe you about a million years' worth of favours. The least I can do is find someone for you to fuck. That's a bit sinister, Malfoy, said Harry. Yes, well, that's me, sinister Draco Malfoy, always up to no good said Malfoy, grimly. Now come on, what's your type? Blonde, said Harry, without thinking. Malfoy laughed. We do have more fun. All right, follow me, Potter. I'm going to find you such a pretty blonde boy. And he did. He led them through the crowd to a handsome blonde man, whispered in his ear, and gestured at Harry. The blonde man smiled hungrily and nodded. The next minute he was dancing with Harry, his hands on Harry's waist, his mouth at Harry's ear. Hey, he said. You're pretty cute. They went back to the man's flat. His name was Kevin. He was nice. He made Harry a cup of tea after they'd had sex, and asked if Harry wanted to sleep over. I'd better get back, said Harry. Suit yourself, said Kevin. Harry went back to Grimald Place, which now appeared to have a vast and perfectly curated front lawn, and went to bed, determinedly not thinking about Draco sodding Malfoy. Harry spent the next few days gloomily reading letters from his pile on the dining room table. The house had organised them for him and arranged them on silver salvers he didn't know he owned. "'Dear Harry,' wrote Hermione, "'George says he saw you the other day. I'm so glad you've been getting out, "'although he says you didn't say much or stay long. I miss you terribly. "'I'm sorry if I put you on the spot with my last letter. "'We'd love for you to be the godfather, but of course we understand if that feels like too much. "'I don't know if you even read these. "'Do you know we haven't spoken in four months?' "'Love, Hermione.' "'Godfather,' thought Harry, "'scrabbling through the pile of letters. "'Godfather! Was Hermione pregnant?' "'She was, as became apparent when he read her last few letters. "'I'm such a shit friend,' he thought. "'He would have to write a really long, proper letter to make up for it. "'But he didn't have the strength, so he just put it off. "'He went out flying. "'Draco Malfoy was messing with his head. "'It didn't matter if Scorpius was adorable.' He wouldn't spend any more time with the Malfoys. He wouldn't. Scorpius's next letter arrived the following day. Dear Harry, it was so nice to have you at movie night. I hope you'll come to the next one, because it's my last one before I go to Hogwarts. I have picked Jules Jim, which is a French film my mother liked. I speak fluent French, you know. My mother and I lived in Paris before she died. I don't remember it much, but I like watching French films. I hope you'll come. Dad says you're probably too busy and I mustn't expect things of you. I was sick this morning. It was disgusting. Dad says it's because I'm nervous about Hogwarts. I am, but that's not really it. The next two sentences were scribbled out, but Harry could still make out the writing. I'm scared something will happen to him while I'm gone. I'm scared I won't get to see him again. Dad says complaining is selfish, and acceptance is wisdom. If anything happens to him, I will just have to accept it. Hergoth is nibbling my paper, so I have to stop writing. Oh, I never thanked you for him. Thank you. He is the best present anyone has ever given me, and it's not even my birthday. Thank you, thank you. Yours sincerely, Scorpius. Harry stared at the letter for a long time, tears obscuring his vision. Eventually, he got to his feet and found his best cloak. He wasn't really sure what he was doing. He only knew that rage was propelling him in some direction, and he followed it blindly followed his anger until he found himself at the ministry and people were crowding around him, reporters taking pictures of him, and he didn't stop to talk to any of them. He pushed his way past secretaries and undersecretaries until he got to Kingsley Shacklebolt's office. "'Mr. Potter,' cried the secretary, "'have you an appointment?' "'No,' said Harry, "'it's urgent.' To his relief, the secretary took him at his word and ushered him into Kingsley's office. "'Harry,' said Kingsley, "'what a wonderful surprise. "'Why are people attacking Death Eaters?' said Harry." "'Sorry? Draco Malfoy has been repeatedly attacked since he got out of prison. "'Hurry, take a seat. "'No! Did you know about this?' "'We've had a few reports, yes. "'I seem to remember one from Mr Malfoy five or six years ago, nothing since,' said Kingsley. "'And? What happened when he reported it? Were his assailants caught?' "'Hurry, you know how backed up the MLE have been since the Reconstruction,' said Kingsley. "'I'm sure they got to it as soon as they could, but by then the trail had probably gone cold.' "'So no one did anything,' said Harry. "'Please sit down. "'They almost killed him last spring. "'His son is scared to go to Hogwarts "'in case Malfoy's murdered while he's gone.' "'Kingsley observed him over his fingertips. you seem surprisingly invested in Mr Malfoy's case, Harry. "'I just want justice to be served.' "'Some would argue that justice is being served,' said Kingsley. "'People have good reason to hate Death Eaters.' "'Harry glowered at him. "'Is that what you think?' He deserves what he gets because when he was sixteen he joined the same club as his dad. Kingsley sighed. No, of course not, Harry. I'm just trying to wrap my head around this visit. I've been trying to get a hold of you for two years with no success. Hermione Granger says she hasn't heard from you in months. You ignore all owls, reject all flu messages. And now you're showing up in a rage about death eater rights? You have to admit it's unexpected. Harry sat down. It's not fair, he said. The war is over, it's over. People shouldn't still be killing each other. Murder doesn't stop when wars do, Harry. And I'm afraid there will always be people who would like to murder Mr. Malfoy. He's a completely different person from who he was then. You've been spending time with him? I- Some. Kingsley smiled. I'll look into the Death Eater attacks, Harry, but I can't promise anything. I'd like Malfoy to be afforded ministry protection. Kingsley laughed. Oh, he said, seeing Harry's expression. You're serious? Of course I'm serious, said Harry. Harry, I can't do that. For one thing, Mr Malfour hasn't reported an attack in six years. If something else happens and he reports it, I will of course do everything in my power to help. It'll be too late by then, said Harry. That's the best I can do, Harry, I'm sorry. The best he could do, thought Harry mutinously, as he wandered through Grimmauld Place's new rooms. There was a portrait gallery now, and something that looked like it might be a small private opera house. None of it made him feel better, but it did distract him. He was more nervous than ever by the time the movie night came round. He had sent a quick reply to Scorpius, assuring him he'd be there, and not heard anything back. He kept thinking of Malfoy, pressed up against the wall of the club, his leg wrapped around some guy's hip. Then he would think of Scorpius's pitiful letter, of the men who had left Malfoy for dead last spring, and something in his ribcage would clench painfully. It was all very confusing. Chapter 4 When he arrived at Malfoy's flat, however, Nick, Flora and their two children were just leaving. Harry, said Flora, Scorpius is a bit upset. I don't think a movie's in the cards tonight. Harry could hear shouting inside the flat. Should I go home? he asked. No, said Nick. You might do some good. So Harry slipped past them to where Eve was hovering in the hall. She put her finger to her lips. Because I don't want to go to Hogwarts, shouted Scorpius. Believe it or not, Scorpius, I know that already. You've made it perfectly clear, said Malfoy. Then why are you making me go? You know why, said Malfoy. I don't care about their stupid world, said Scorpius. I don't want you to have to live your life in exile, Scorpius. I want you to be able to be who you really are. Scorpius laughed. Oh, be myself, like you are, Dad. Malfoy didn't answer for a long moment. When he did, he spoke quietly. I'm doing what I think is right for you. You'll thank me when you're older, he said. As if you'll be alive when I'm older, said Scorpius. Scorpius, but that's fine, isn't it? It's fine if I never see you again, because that's what I deserve. That's what you think. What about what I deserve? Don't be melodramatic, Scorpius. I don't want to go, said Scorpius. Please don't make me. Scorpius. Scorpius shot suddenly out of the sitting room, racing past Eve and Harry and slamming his bedroom door. Eve and Harry looked at each other, then went into the sitting-room. Malfoy was standing perfectly still in the centre of the room. He was very pale. "'Why does he have to go to boarding school?' asked Eve. "'I can't explain it to you,' said Malfoy, evenly. "'He loves his school,' said Eve. "'He loves his friends. "'Why are you making him leave it all behind?' "'I can't... I can't explain it to you,' said Malfoy again, "'his voice more strained this time.' and Harry was struck by the intense loneliness of having to keep such an enormous secret as magic from all your closest friends. Eve was shaking her head. Fucking hell, Draco. You know, you say you've changed so much that you to be such a classist snob. You haven't changed at all, have you? You can't stand the idea of your precious child going to a state school with the riffraff. It's not about class, Eve, said Harry, because Malfoy looked like his world was crashing down around him. Then what is it about, she said, rounding on him, furious. Harry opened his mouth to explain, but found he couldn't. There wasn't anything he could say without breaking the statute of secrecy. I can't explain it to you, he said. Oh, for fuck's sake, you're both snobs. Draco, he's your kid. If you want to make him miserable, go right ahead. Send him to the same school that fucked you up. What a great fucking idea. With that, she stormed out of the room. They heard the front door slam shut a moment later. Malfoy sank onto the sofa. "'Of course he has to go to Hogwarts,' said Harry. "'I don't know,' said Malfoy. "'He's a wizard. "'He can't just stay in the muggle world forever. "'He won't belong here. "'He's not going to belong anywhere. "'Merlin, what are the chances he'll make a single friend by Christmas? "'Because I reckon with me as his father, "'he's as much chance of being popular as Eloise Midgen had "'of being asked to the bloody Yule Ball.' "'Harry laughed a little and sat next to Malfoy on the sofa. "'Malfoy, would you let me introduce him to Teddy?' It might help. If you can persuade Andromeda to agree to it, be my guest, said Malfoy bitterly. She won't let Scorpius meet Teddy. Malfoy put on a high voice. Even if I believed your apology was genuine, I would not risk Teddy's well being by letting him near a Malfoy, given your family's persistent dark loyalties. He put his head in his hands. But I bet it'll work if you ask. Maybe, said Harry, guiltily. I can try. Malfoy's shoulders were shaking but when he spoke his voice sounded more clipped and composed than ever. You'd take Scorpius if I died, wouldn't you? It wasn't a question. It was an accusation. I, said Harry, I know you, I know you would. There's no one else. You'd take him and adopt him and buy him a firebolt for his twelfth birthday and go to all his matches, and everyone would want to get invited back to his house for the summer holiday so they could meet you. No one would dare be unkind to him. They'd get to know him and see how marvellous he is, And they'd say, what a difference Harry Potter made. And he'd be happy. He would love you. So quickly. I didn't meet him until he was five. Did you know that? So I would just be a strange little chapter in his life. Five to eleven. Formative years, but blurry. Malfoy. You wouldn't let him get vengeful, either. He wouldn't get all twisted by anger and hatred. You wouldn't let him. So he would just be happy. You will take him, won't you? This time, it was a question. I won't need to, Malfoy. Malfoy laughed breathily. "'That's all right. You don't need to tell me. I know. Harry Potter will come to the rescue. "'I'm grateful, honestly. I am. I want to claw at my eyes when I look at you, but I am grateful.' "'Let me be your secret keeper,' said Harry. Malfoy looked up. His eyes were sparkling wet. "'Excuse me? I went to the Minister for Magic, and he said he couldn't put you under protection.' "'You what?' "'I was worried about you,' said Harry.' "'Well, don't be! Christ alive! Do you know how much worse it is if they think you've been tattling? "'In any case, I'm fine. You mustn't listen to what Scorpius says. He's a drama queen.' "'He absolutely is not,' said Harry. Malfoy pursed his lips. "'You can't cast a Fidelius charm if the subject has interactions with more than two muggles,' he said. "'It's against the statute of secrecy.' "'The statute makes it pretty hard to be friends with muggles, doesn't it?' said Harry. "'So I've found,' said Malfoy. I want to help, Malfoy. I know you do. God knows why. You do remember that you loathe me, don't you? I don't loathe you, said Harry. I hated the bigoted prick you were at sixteen, but I don't get the impression you're too keen on him either. He and I are one and the same, Potter. I'm still the person who stomped on your face in a train carriage. And I'm still the person who nearly murdered you in a bathroom, said Harry. Malfoy laughed, his hands going to his chest. You brief dalliance with the dark side. It's touching, really, that you used more vicious magic on me than you did to kill Voldemort. He looked so fragile. It was all Harry could do not to pour himself around him, to kiss his eyelids shut, to tell him that it would all be okay. Yeah, well, I'm sorry about that. I was sorry at the time, too, said Harry. Hmm, said Malfoy. I don't hate you, Malfoy. Malfoy sighed and pushed his hair out of his face. Take him to the station for me, he said, sounding resigned. On September 1st. That was the day after tomorrow. Yes, take him and shower him with affection. And maybe people will think of you instead of me when they call his name to be sorted. Oh God, if he's a Slytherin. Slytherins aren't all bad, said Harry, somewhat defensively. Yes, thank you for that wonderful insight. Slytherins aren't all bad. I just mean, if he's a Slytherin, it's no big deal, said Harry. It will make his life ten times harder. I haven't told him that, but he knows, said Malfoy. I'll take him to the station, but you have to come with me, said Harry. That would rather defeat the purpose, said Malfoy, raising an eyebrow. It was awful not having my parents on that platform. It's such a parenty situation. You have to go, said Harry. Malfoy cast him a strange, unguarded look, and Harry wondered suddenly what had happened to Lucius and Narcissa Malfoy. He knew they must be dead, because Scorpius had said he and his father were the last two Malfoys but he wasn't sure how or when it had happened. "'Fine,' said Malfoy. "'I'll go. "'And if you're able to convince Andromeda to let Scorpius meet Teddy, "'I'll be very grateful. "'This would all be easier if I had some sort of official role in his life. "'Like Godfather or something,' said Harry, boldly. "'He knew straight away that he had overstepped. "'Malfoy's face hardened. "'You're not going to be interested in Scorpius for long enough to be his Godfather.' "'That's not true,' said Harry.' Anyway, you just made that whole speech about how I'll raise him once you've been tragically murdered. Malfoy waved his hands impatiently. Yes, yes, if he needs rescuing, you'll be there. But if I continue inconveniently to live, then you will quickly get bored and turn to some other more deserving charity case. I'm not putting Scorpius through that, no. Harry frowned, but decided not to argue just then. Not when Malfoy's eyes were still sharp and watery. Harry hadn't forgotten that the last time Malfoy had cried in front of him, he had tried to cast the Cruciatus Curse. Fine, muttered Harry. It was just a suggestion. Malfoy got unsteadily to his feet. I'm going to go check on Scorpius, he said. Would you like anything to drink? It was transparently obvious that he wanted Harry to leave, and for a second Harry considered accepting a drink, just to mess with him. But Malfoy still looked so delicate, and Harry didn't really want to make his life any harder. No, thank you. Say hello to Scorpius for me. I'll write as soon as I know about Teddy. Thank you, said Malfoy. "'He says thank you so easily,' thought Harry. "'It wasn't something Harry would have expected. "'He would have thought that gratitude would catch in Malfoy's throat, "'trapped by his pride. "'Then he understood. "'Malfoy no longer had any pride.' "'No,' said Andromeda, flatly. "'What do you mean, no?' said Harry. "'No, I do not want Teddy associating with Death Eaters.' "'Scorpius Malfoy is eleven years old, Andromeda, "'and he's Teddy's cousin.' Andromeda did not look at him. She only carried on cleaning her kitchen. Malfoy's changed anyway, said Harry. Oh, please, you haven't fallen for his remorseful villain act, have you? You should have seen the letter he sent me when he got out of Azkaban. I'd like to see it, said Harry. No, you wouldn't. It was sickening, completely over the top, tear-stained for crying out loud, all about how family was the only thing that counted and Scorpius didn't have any. Well, he doesn't, said Harry, trying not to think about Malfoy crying into stationery. The thought made him want to apparate straight into Malfoy's flat and kiss his face off. I don't trust any Malfoy, said Andromeda. I find it frankly unnerving that you do. Teddy doesn't exactly have much family, Andromeda. Do you really think he's going to thank you for keeping him away from the few members he has left? Andromeda pointed her wand at a stack of plates, and they went rushing back into a cupboard. Has it occurred to you that Teddy won't benefit socially from being seen with Scorpius? He's your godson. You should be looking out for his best interests. You're saying that even if Scorpius is wonderful, which, by the way, he is, Teddy should avoid him out of fear of social stigma? said Harry. Hit the nail on the head, said Andromeda. You know, there were a lot of things I was scared of growing up, but standing up for good people when everyone else was against them was never one of them, said Harry, coldly. Malfoy's not a good person. Firstly, yes he is, and secondly, that's irrelevant, because Scorpius isn't his father. Andromeda gave him a long, appraising look. "'I haven't seen you in months,' she said. "'I've been busy,' mumbled Harry. "'Liar.' "'She wiped down the kitchen counter "'and threw the sponge into the sink before looking at Harry. "'Fine. You can bring Scorpius round tomorrow. "'But if it doesn't go well, that's it. "'And Draco is not to step foot near my house.' "'He won't,' grinned Harry. "'Thanks, Andromeda. You won't regret it.' "'Andromeda made a wry, noncommittal sound as Harry kissed her cheek. "'That evening,' Harry wrote to Malfoy. Malfoy. Andromeda has given us the all-clear. I'll take Scorpius over at ten tomorrow. Harry paused, his quill in the air. He couldn't stop thinking about Malfoy's strange, clipped speech from the night before, when he'd practically told Harry that Scorpius would be better off if Malfoy were dead. He'd be happy, he'd said, twice. Harry knew that he wasn't the right person to talk to Malfoy about his insecurities but he also suspected Malfoy didn't have a good person to talk to about them. Determined and ignoring the butterflies in his stomach, Harry wrote on. I may be completely wrong here, but it seems like you think you're ruining Scorpius's life. And I guess it makes sense that you would worry about that, because, at least from my perspective, your dad ruined yours. But I grew up without a father, and I would have given anything to have someone love me like you love Scorpius. I know you think he'd be better off without you, I promise you he wouldn't. I'm sorry if I'm overstepping by saying all this. I just thought you should know that you have no idea how lucky Scorpius is to have you. You're a wonderful father. H. Potter. He stayed up until almost three, not admitting to himself that he was hoping for a reply. None came. The next morning, Scorpius arrived through his flue, looking aggressively clean and polished. Now that Harry had seen him at the movie nights when he wore fairly normal, comfortable clothes... He understood that this is how Malfoy addressed him when he was nervous. "'Oh, good, your dad got my letter,' said Harry, in a pathetic attempt to get Scorpius to tell him how Malfoy had reacted to it. "'What if Teddy doesn't like me?' asked Scorpius. "'Then he's an idiot,' said Harry. Scorpius smiled, then went red, and looked at his shoes. "'You heard me last night, didn't you? "'Shouting at Dad,' he said. "'You sounded pretty upset,' said Harry. "'I was,' mumbled Scorpius.' I am. I think you're going to love Hogwarts. Maybe, said Scorpius. But that's not really what you're worried about, is it? said Harry. Scorpius shook his head. What if I checked in on your dad now and then? Would that make you feel better? asked Harry. Every day? asked Scorpius, hesitantly. Harry laughed. I think he'd hex me if I tried that. What about once a week? I don't want to put you out, said Scorpius. "'It won't at all,' said Harry. "'So, that's sorted. "'I'll write to you once a week and tell you how he's doing, "'and you'll go to Hogwarts without any more screaming matches. "'Deal?' "'Deal,' said Scorpius, holding out a hand. "'They shook on it, and Harry tried not to think about the fact "'that he'd just promised to see Malfoy at least once a week until Christmas.' "'Andromeda and Teddy were waiting by the fireplace when they flew in. "'Harry introduced Scorpius, who had gone extremely blank and self-possessed, "'the way he did when he was frightened.' He shook hands with both of them, and then took a deep breath, and looked up at Andromeda. "'My father and I are very grateful that you are allowing us to meet,' he said, in the same formal tone Harry remembered him using that first time in Diagon Alley. "'It's very generous of you.' Andromeda looked uncomfortable. "'Yes, well,' she said. Scorpius turned to Teddy. "'I bet you can do loads of magic already,' he said. "'Loads,' said Teddy, brightly. "'I bet you can't do any. "'I've heard you live with muggles.' "'Yes, mostly.' "'said Scorpius. "'Why don't you go show Scorpius "'the stuff you got from Weasley's Wizarding wheezes, Teddy?' "'Oh, please do!' cried Scorpius. "'I've never been!' "'You've never been to Weasley's Wizarding Weezes?" "'asked Teddy in disbelief.' "'Scorpius shook his head. "'You haven't lived!' "'Teddy took Scorpius by the hand "'and pulled him into his bedroom. "'Harry sat with Andromeda in the kitchen "'while she made lunch "'and avoided answering her distinctly probing questions "'about his future "'and what he was going to do with his life. "'Finally, lunch was ready,' and Teddy and Scorpius trooped in, flushed with happiness. "'Scorpius and I went flying,' announced Teddy. "'He's not bad.' "'Not bad?' protested Scorpius. Teddy grinned. "'Okay, okay, he's quite good, for a first year.' "'How long has it been since your father left Azkaban?' asked Andromeda abruptly. Everything about Scorpius seemed to shrink. Six years,' he answered. "'And he lives among muggles now, does he?' "'Yes.' Scorpius cut a tiny piece of meat, speared it with his fork, and stared at it without bringing it to his mouth. It reminded Harry of something, but he couldn't think of what. "'What does he do for money? I know he lost his fortune. That's what comes of fighting on the wrong side of a war.' Scorpius's knuckles were white on his cutlery, but when he spoke, his voice was just as polite as ever. It occurred to Harry that Malfoy had probably told him that he mustn't be rude, no matter what Andromeda said. "'He runs a second-hand bookshop in Islington,' said Scorpius. Andromeda laughed. Draco Malfoy reading muggle novels, how the mighty have fallen. Suddenly, Harry realised what Scorpius reminded him of. Himself, when Aunt Marge had come to visit. Except it was obvious that Scorpius had far more self-control than Harry had had at that age. Scorpius managed a tight smile and took a sip of water. Has your father told you about what he did in the war, boy? That's enough, said Harry. Yes, said Scorpius, quietly. He told me everything. "'What are you trying to get at, Andromeda?' burst out Harry. "'You want to know how Malfoy is? I'll tell you. "'He's hard-working, he lives in a lovely flat in London, "'he has friends who care about him, "'and he's raised a thoughtful and compassionate child despite the odds. "'Is that what you want to know? "'Or do you want to unpack the war with someone who wasn't even born when it happened?' An awful silence fell as they all avoided looking at each other, except for Teddy, who Harry noticed was flicking peas at Scorpius. Scorpius glanced up when one hit his face, looking hurt, but his expression changed when Teddy winked at him. "'It doesn't do any good to avoid the elephant in the room, Harry,' said Andromeda after a moment. "'The fact is, Draco fought for the Death Eaters at the battle where my daughter was killed, Teddy's parents.' "'Gran,' said Teddy, "'Scorpius already apologised to me about that.' "'Scorpius,' said Harry indignantly, "'you don't have anything to apologise for.' Scorpius seemed to become even smaller, which Harry would not have thought possible. "'But I am sorry,' he said." "'Of course I'm sorry my aunt and uncle are dead.' The simplicity of the words appeared to take Andromeda's breath away. "'Your aunt and uncle?' she repeated. "'Yes,' said Scorpius. "'Dad's told me all about them. "'Well, more about your dad,' he said, turning back to Teddy. "'Because he had him as a teacher, of course. "'He said he was the best defence teacher he ever had. "'Did you know that for their end-of-year exams "'your dad made a sort of dark-creature obstacle course?' "'Teddy grinned. "'Cool.' he said. Andromeda looked rather faint, and was very quiet for the rest of the meal. When it was time for them to go, Teddy hugged Scorpius and said he'd see him on the train the next day. Scorpius then held out his hand to Andromeda. Thank you for having me, he said. Come here, she said, and hugged him. Scorpius looked extremely alarmed, but allowed her to squeeze him tight. Come back any time you like, Scorpius. Yeah, said Teddy. At Christmas? Really? Really? asked Scorpius, very seriously. He looked only at Andromeda, who Harry was pleased to see looked rather guilty. Do you really mean it? Yes. I'm sorry we didn't meet earlier. That was a mistake. You don't say, muttered Harry. Thank you, said Scorpius to Andromeda. And she hugged him again, whispering something that sounded like, just like Narcissa into his ear. Harry flew them straight back to Malfoy's flat. That was part two of Dad Says, written and read by Gallup Placidia. Tune in next week for part three. If you enjoyed this episode, leave a rating and review on the Apple Podcast app. And why not share it with a friend who you think might like the show? For more stories by me, head to AO3. I also have an Instagram, at Let Them Eat Books, with underscores instead of spaces, where I post reviews of the books I read, so please say hello on there. Thanks for listening.